Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual. Today, I'm joined by my special guest, Danielle Mulvey. Danielle is a founder of the All In Company and runs multiple businesses with over $50 million in annual revenues and is collaborating with the well-known Mike McCallowitz, who's the author of many well-known books, including some of my favorites, Profit First, Clockwork, Fix This Next, and of course, his next book that he's collaborating with Danielle on, which is All In, How to Get Your Employees to Act Like Owners. Now, after more than 25 years of experience of entrepreneurship, Danielle's cracked the code on recruiting, hiring, and retaining five-star employees. And I know so many business leaders who find hiring stressful, they're frustrated with the quality of the talent that they attract, and they ultimately have to make do with what they can get, which sucks. So in this episode, we'll dive into Danielle's proven strategies for taking the stress out of finding five-star employees. Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Alexis. I'm so excited to be with you today. Let's de-stress some of this business about hiring. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Well, before we dive into tips and practical techniques and so on, which we definitely will get into, give us a bit more about kind of your journey to becoming a successful entrepreneur and the creator of the five-star employee rating system and all the amazing stuff that you've been doing. Well, I started my first business at the ripe old age of 25. I didn't really have a background in accounting or marketing or anything and just went on a leap of faith and was pretty successful out of the gate and was successful with getting business, large clients. My first few hires were pretty good. My hiring strategy as a 25-year-old entrepreneur was to hire people younger than me because they wouldn't know if I'm doing anything right or wrong because they don't have any, they have actually less experience than the owner of the business. And that worked for a bit, probably for like my first five hires. And then we needed to add another graphic designer to our team. And I went off of a referral. It was someone that was a fraternity brother of another one of our graphic designers. And I actually went to college with his sister. So you think, oh, an employee referral, great. Tied to two people that I know. Let's go. Let's make this happen. Well, that was the moment in time in my entrepreneurial career that I woke up one Monday morning and said, can I call in sick to my own company? Because another week, another Monday of dealing with this individual just made me want to hide under the covers, literally in my bed. And so it was really that moment that I said, I have to get serious about this stuff. Like I have to build a team and build people. I never want this to happen to me again. And so that's when I literally went all in back in the day. This is like, again, almost 25 years ago and just really focused on learning how to recruit, hire and retain, coin it now, five-star employees, the top talent out there. And I didn't have a process. I obviously didn't have a system. And so over the last 20 years, I've been refining and honing and testing and guiding other people on this. And so it's really locked in now because we want to see the best in people, right? So when someone says, I can do it, I want to do it. I love doing bookkeeping. They're wanting a job. They don't want to be rejected. And we don't want the awkwardness of 
saying no to someone. So we subjectively typically make hiring decisions instead of objectively making hiring decisions. So you need a process, you need a system, right? (laughs) If you want things to be repeatable with the same results. And so that's, there's really is no process and system out there for entrepreneurs unless they're kind of creating it on their own. So we're sharing the five-star employee rating system with the world and all the things about how to recruit, hire, and retain five-star employees now. Love that. And I mean, that's quite a quick whistle stop through, as you say, like 25 years, (laughs) at least from the very start of your entrepreneurial journey. And yet you've built multiple businesses over that time, kind of using what you've learned. And as you say, you develop this five-star employee rating system as a model to help you to do that. How did that come about? What were the components that kind of fell into place for you? And were there particular points in your journey? Like you've talked about one in particular where you had your the first example of a hire where you knew it wasn't right. How did that proceed over time? What were the kind of experiences that, that you had that kind of led you to go, ah, these are the things that need to be in place to, to make sure that this works successfully? At what point did it really shift for you? And what's been the impact of that? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been an evolution and I do test things. I mean, with multiple businesses, I kind of have large sandbox. And I think what's a testament to not settling for less than five-star employees is the fact that you can open and have multiple businesses. So I don't have one business and then I've started and then close that and start on to something else. I have multiple simultaneous businesses because I start the business build the team. And then the team is basically running the business. And then that affords me the time to move on to the next thing, build that team, et cetera. I do check in though with my team on a daily basis. So we have a daily, we call it a daily huddle in one meeting, similar to Vern Harnish's scaling up daily huddles in the background there. And then for my remote teams, we do a little bit different take on that. And it's called the vitamin C S E meeting where it's a little bit more, um, formal and detailing their day. So in 10, 15 minutes in each of my companies, I'm still keeping a pulse on the business and what's going on in in those businesses and making sure that they're following the checklists for, for what needs to get done or creating a new checklist when we have a new process, a new system or a new way about doing something. Fantastic. Love that. And the, we'll probably come back to kind of some of those checklists and what's been working for you. But if we, if we stick with that, the kind of five-star employee rating system that, that you developed and where you got to with that, when, when did that first, as you say, you now coin it as five-star employees, when did that first really start to take shape and appear and become something that you were able to offer externally to other businesses rather than your own? So about maybe four years ago, I was asked to kind of, because people had people from Profit First World, I'm part of the Profit First community. They had come to some events at my offices. They had worked with some people on my team, et cetera. And they're just like, where'd you find these people? How did you do this? Like, they're amazing. I would love employees like this. And so then it just kind of became, well, could you do like a, a workshop for us? Could you kind of pull back the covers. And so I pulled back the covers. We looked under the hood. We, I shared what we were doing and it really just kind of evolved from there. I have to say that this has been the hardest business that I have started and it, which I think is just a little bit interesting and Mm -hmm. ironic because the all in company is meant to teach 
other businesses how to recruit, hire, and retain five-star employees. And it's a daunting task. And our program is actually called a hiring system overhaul because you know, you're basically needing to just completely overhaul your system. But entrepreneurs are like, I don't have enough time. I, I need people now, this, that, the other. So we really refined the program to be a combination of done for you, done with you, done by you. It really just make, makes it very easy. I think Air Manual does. I mean, holding the hand of fellow entrepreneurs and really guiding them through this. A lot of courses, a lot of programs are just like, well, here you go. Good luck. Have fun. Watch the videos see you later. And you know, that doesn't produce results. And you and I are both very results oriented individuals. I mean, that's one of our core values at the all in company is big results done. And so, so, so it's just been this evolution of how can we really help businesses on a scalable fashion to implement the five-star employee rating system in their businesses. Yeah, I love that. And that's, as you said, that's definitely been an experience of us as well, working with Air Manual, working with, as you say, busy business leaders, entrepreneurs, where in theory, like they wish that they had a better, in your case, like recruitment and hiring system, in our case, business processes and onboarding and so on. They wish that they had that in place yesterday. And of course, there's the old maxim of the best play, the best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. The second best time is now. Uh, but unfortunately, for some people, they just don't make that step. And often, as you say, a lot of the nature of these, this type of business in both senses is helping people break it down and make it make it small enough that they can make progress in or remove an, a sufficient friction or create enough opportunity and vision, the gold at the end of the rainbow, that means that they can get over that momentum. As you say, like when you do apply this sort of stuff, it's huge. It, it has huge impact. So let's illustrate that a bit with the five-star employee rating system. So take me through, like what, uh, give us an overview of it. What are the components part of it? How does it work to help you help a business to like identify top talent? Yeah. So really quickly, what's, what also drove me to this was the fact that being part of the Profit First community and working with businesses with a million dollars or more in real revenue and 10 or more employees is that their biggest expense, their biggest operating expense was in their payroll. And that was honestly killing the profitability in their business. Yeah. And so it, so Mike's books are sort of an evolution upon each other and such. And so that's why we're going, the next topic was all in and then we teamed up and collaborating on, on it together because again, we're seeing that businesses, they, they implement profit first, they get it down, they understand it, but then, okay, well, where are the problems? Why are we still not profitable? And well, let's look at your biggest expense, payroll which is interesting because actually I'm going to do, I'm going to do maybe reverse order of sharing the five-star employee yep. rating system because the fifth star in the five-star employee rating system, we'll do it like a countdown. The <laughs> fifth star is, is return on payroll. Yeah. So the metric that you should be expecting with your five-star employees is a three X return on payroll. So that means that if you're paying someone 50,000, they should be producing $150,000 impact on the business. And a five-star employee will do that a one, two or three-star employee is going to just be collecting a paycheck. So why are you going to be paying someone that you're not getting a return on? So we have a process for helping calculate the return on payroll and helping you look at, because then kind of backing into it, then the fourth star in the employee rating system 
are the key responsibilities and success metrics. Yeah. So it's really important that you can get this job and role down to three to five key responsibilities. You're not looking for a sparkly, shiny unicorn who is surrounded by a pink aura. You can't get someone to do everything. And I find entrepreneurs, especially with their first hires, tend to have too many expectations mm -hmm. on, on an employee. They need them to do marketing, to do admin, to do blah, 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 blah. It's like, it's too much. You're not going to find someone who's great at all of those things. So when you have someone, what are the three to five key responsibilities? that will drive impact in the business and how will you measure their success? So for example, one of our businesses is a, a company that processes long-term care claims. And we measure success in that as that you are getting 98% financial accuracy on your audits, 95% procedural accuracy, and you're processing 42 claims per day on average. That's how we measure success with the individual. So you want to quantify what success means. You want to put a number, a dollar sign, a percentage to it. And it ties to, again, driving the success of the business. And if they don't know what they should be doing, go back to the three to five yeah. key responsibilities, because that's going to put an impact on the business. And oftentimes employees left to their own devices, they do the things that, um, okay, they're, not important and not urgent. So why are we doing them? And oh, we this, all have this, a tendency to do those things, everyone. right? As we kind of lose track of what was the point or what was working. Like, I think that's a really common thing just for business leaders generally is that because often your job is to find out what else works and find the new things, like you can lose track of the thing that was working and making sure you turn the handle on that. And so I think that clarity is awesome. And I love that structure. And we're, as you say, like we're only two in uh, like five like number five and four but i also want to clarify something which is that we're talking about return on payroll there we're talking about 3x and i think for most business leaders they're thinking oh, i've got that for my salespeople. like yeah if they're bringing people if i've got a salesperson they're on 50k i'm expecting that they bring in 150k revenue um yeah that's fine but you're talking about every single role right like right through to your financing yeah, yeah, for sure. in terms so, of what ex you're expecting them to deliver. Can you give us an example of perhaps a role that people yeah. might normally see as a cost center rather than I, I would I would say the easiest role is an admin, probably. So let's say you're paying an admin 25 per hour. Yeah. Okay. Well, if the ad and you're making the equivalent of 200 per hour, yeah. okay. The value of your work is 200 per hour and you have an admin who's working for 25 per hour. If the admin can take things off of your plate, well, now you've got someone doing $200 work for $25 an hour, nice. right? And so, so, so it's making sure that meaningful because you're hiring them to get things off your plate so that you can then do more at what really is valued at $200 per hour so that every role can have an impact on the business. And so I think that's kind of the problem too, is that organizations tend to fill their ranks with warm bodies yes, and not bodies that have a specific mission or task that produces an impact on the business Love and that. absolutely every role. That's why we have, that's why we have the key responsibilities and success metrics. Cause how is that having an impact on the business? Don't hire someone just to hire someone to think, Oh, well, an admin would be nice, or this would be good. Or we're at this stage. We mm. should have this. It really becomes down to a financial decision. Sometimes things are better outsourced 
than having someone in-house. Yeah. So, so this forces the return on payroll, the key responsibilities and success metrics for those key responsibilities really force the entrepreneur to make more prudent decisions with how things are working and operating in their business and who's doing what to move the business forward. Love that. Yeah, absolutely love that. That's super clear. Thank you, Danielle. So we've got, we've done five, four, we're on to three now. Yeah. Number three is aptitudes and skills. Okay. So just because someone says it doesn't mean that they can actually do it. Yeah. When you have to think that people are wanting to get a job and we hear out there, fake it till you make it, just get your foot in the door and then you can kind of do what you want type of thing and such. So we challenge entrepreneurs in our program and their hiring leaders to determine the nine to, to 12 or 13 key aptitudes for the role and then create questions in the aptitudes interview packet. And we do this actually for you yeah. <laughs> in collaboration. And so to, to develop questions so that you can really get at, does this person really have the aptitude that we're looking for? Mm -hmm. And then what are skills testings that you can put into play in your hiring gauntlet to prove that the individual has the, has the ability or has the potential to do what you're needing them to do in the organization because it doesn't matter if you say it it only matters if you do it Brilliant. so that's why skills testing is so important and it's just amazing i was talking to a candidate last week and and she's burnt out where she is and they're just having really high turnover and i mean we were already on our third interview with her she had already taken two assessments this is for a position that honestly pays 23 dollars per hour. And, and what we discovered at her, at her current place that she's at is the interview process is 20 minutes. Right. So basically they are like, do you have a pulse? Can <laughs> yeah. you fog a mirror? And can you start on Monday? Great. Okay. You're hired. Come in on Monday. Yeah. And that doesn't work. And we actually had a, a member meetup yesterday with people that completed the program last year. And one of, one of the firms was just like, oh my gosh, shocking how our turnover metric has gone down to mm. nothing. They had been experiencing high turnover because they didn't really know what they were looking for previously. They weren't clear on what they really needed in terms of the aptitudes and skills for employees. And now that they got clear on it, and now that they interview around that, now that they test around that, they're only making hires that meet those aptitudes that, that can demonstrate those skills. And it's, now they don't have turnover, which is an amazing thing. I mean, I think that's one thing that frustrates entrepreneurs about like, well, am I better off keeping the devil that I know yeah. or going back to the pond and bringing someone who might be worse? Yeah. That's a fear. And so a lot of employers, a lot of entrepreneurs end up settling because they're like, well, obviously I'm not very good at this. At least this person kind of knows what to do. I don't want to go and have to like hire someone new who might be worse because I just don't know what I'm doing. So it just kind of becomes this catch 22 that isn't helping anyone. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's amazing as you say, like in some businesses, 20 minutes is the selection process. I, I think we've spoken before as well about massive over-reliance on use of CVs as being a really poor mm. way to kind of do your application. In fact, I think one of the early episodes of De-Stress Your Business, we talked about like, don't use CVs for screening because anyone can write anything in the CV. It may as well not exist there. Like it tells you nothing. The fact that someone said, oh yes, I can do like 
online marketing tells you nothing. And so it's like, you may as well not even read it because what, like, it doesn't help you do that assessment. And yet what's the most common tool that most businesses use when sifting, selecting and so on is using CVs. So I think your point you, around- You're like, exactly right. It, they're putting 100% reliance on it. And it's funny because I didn't think about it, but we only use the CV as a filter for red flags. So mm-hmm. we're wanting to eliminate candidates through the process. Yeah. So if we say a five-star employee represents the top 15% of available talent in the market. Yeah. So that means one out of seven candidates statistically is a potential five-star employee. So we're, I don't want to be tempted by those six others who are one, two, three-star employees. So, 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 so you can, you look at the resume, but if you see red flags, if you see some things that are inconsistent or whatever, filter them out, don't even consider them. So, but, but, but don't rely on it as being, oh, we found our person based off of what's said on the resume. Yeah, indeed. But yeah, filter out people who have red flags for sure. Yeah. One of the other things that I've seen, and in the early days we were guilty of this, is it's almost like you when you're particularly using a CV, but it can happen in an interview too, is the magical special skills around the outside, which weren't what you were looking for, but suddenly can distract you. So like, I love your point around get clear on the nine to 12 aptitudes that you're really looking for. And I've done this, like, for example, hiring into like a sales role, and then spotting like, ooh, and they've got a background doing like online marketing or something or video editing or whatever. And you're like, well, maybe they can help us with that too. And of course, that's where you start to broaden it. And either you're actively looking for that, in which case you, you're looking for a unicorn, which is not a good approach, or you think, oh, but this just be an added bonus. And that's a mistake, right? Like you're way better picking Absolutely. a five-star employee at the job that you're hiring for than a three or four-star employee that happens to be able to do some other stuff a bit as well. It's, yeah, you got to, and I love that's why you'll focus on what are the aptitude and skills for this role. <laughs> it's super clear. It's super important. So to take us on then, like we've got the aptitude and skills where we've set up a selection process with and tasks that enable us to actually test that they can do it rather than that they can say they can do it. What next? The 11 universal qualities of a five-star employee and having an interview around those 11 universal qualities. So we expect our we expect if you're going to go all in on recruitment and hiring, you are going to develop a hiring gauntlet. You are going to develop like 10, 11, 12, 13 obstacles that you're going to take your candidate pool through and your people are going to fail. People are going to drop out. And the one that makes it to the end is the potential five-star employee because they've demonstrated along, along, along the way. And so the aptitudes and skills, that's part of the hiring gauntlet. But we also have the 11 qualities interview. Usually this happens at the beginning. Um, and so we have identified 11 universal qualities of five-star employees. Most two of them are coded green, which means that they're relatively easy to, to improve upon. So if you're interviewing someone and they're coming up a little bit short on, for example, learning is one of the green ones. They really don't have a way that they're getting industry knowledge on a regular basis. And it's like, well, probably because they just don't know and no one's ever pointed them in the right direction. I mean, entrepreneurs, we are like information junkies. So we are like, oh, consuming everything we can. But, and we're exposed to a lot of things that line level employees typically aren't exposed to. So if someone is not demonstrating a great, um, 
understanding of the industry, et cetera. Well, that's something that can be improved upon. That's learning and that's green. And then there's two of the 11 universal qualities that are coded red, and that is limber and listen. So if someone isn't limber, we don't like to use the word flexible. Employees yeah. want flexibility. Employers need people who are limber. And what we mean by that is, hey, we've got to get this out tonight and we've got this deadline. Can you stay possibly like until six? I know you're supposed to leave at five, but can you stay till six? If they say yes, that's a limber person. Hey, can you fill in for such and such this week and help with this while, while they're on vacation? Absolutely. That's a limber person. And then, and then listening, you need, especially in small businesses, you need individuals who are listening with all their senses. They're active listeners. They're not just, they're good note takers. They're observing what's going on. They're seeing what's needed. They're not necessarily having to be told what, what's needed. And so if someone is not a good listener and that's pretty easy in, in an interview often to discern, I I've had screening interviews where three minutes into the interview, I'm like, they're not answering the questions I'm asking. They're pretty basic at the beginning of an interview. Yeah. And so, you know, I give it a couple more minutes. And then, I mean, I've, I'm the, I don't, I'm not going to waste anyone's time. I mean, I've had an interview last 90 seconds. I've had interviews last four minutes, five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. But you know, when it's not right, yeah. especially when they're demonstrating one of those red flags in the, in the 11 qualities or not meeting that, then I'm just like, I just don't think this is going to be the right fit for us. I'll let you go. Thank you so much. Have a great day. So the 11 universal qualities are huge. Actually, I, we don't have time to go through all 11 universal no. qualities, but if in the show notes, cause I'm sorry, I forgot this is international. That's a I do have where you can text on WhatsApp and get those cool. 11 universal qualities. Cool. Uh, yeah, we'll put something in the, in the show notes so that people can get that and hopefully we'll provide something that work, works for all <laughs> nationalities around the world. So yeah, you can check that out of the show notes for this episode at destressyourbusiness.com. We'll put that down there. But yeah, that's, that sounds awesome, Danielle, because I think, as you say, like with the list that you've got and you've shared three, but I've had visibility of the wider list and it's absolutely spot on. Like it's very clear that you've iterated and tested there's a reason it's 11 like 10 would be tidier even 12 might be tidier but i get you know, that. you've worked on it right like you you've you know that you've got those things and i think that's really important um one things that i'll perhaps come back to but it because it, it might get picked up as we move on to the sort of final the number one as, as part of our countdown is going to be like sheer volume of candidates because that's something yeah. that i think people perhaps um, massively underdo, I think, in their businesses. We've mm. spoken separately about the kinds of numbers that we'd expect to see through a process and how do you manage that and how do you even get that many candidates. But that's going to be something that people worry about when we're talking about creating the gauntlet and having so many people go through the process. Like people are going to be imagining, like, is there going to be anyone left at the end here? <laughs> so, like, as we bring this to a close on the on those on that five star rating system, it takes that end and then perhaps explain how do we make sure that we've got good deal flow and good candidates going through the process. Yeah. So the last star, which is actually the first star in the employee rating system, we went backwards. And I yeah. think I might, I think I might do this format in the future, but is to ensure alignment with core values. Yeah. And it's the core values of the owner of the business, not the group think 
aspirational values that maybe the a team has designed for the business, but the true core values of the individual that owns the business. And you're going to have three to five core values. And then you're going to have to have clarifying statements around those core values to define exactly what you mean. And when you attract employees who share the same core values, that's almost like sharing the DNA. If you want people who are going to think and act like you, well, those are the people that share your core values and are aligned with your core values. So that really kind of ends up becoming the real, the real secret to this. And we were kind of chatting in the green room about, about how Jessica, who we've worked with at Air Manual, really shares, shares that that alignment of core values with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's one of the things that we really like working with you and your team is that we we have a lot of aligned core values across the the between Air Manual and All In. For us, the way that we frame up the value that we referred to earlier is for us is focus on impact because we're all about like those results. And yeah, we've been talking about how as when you've been having your conversation with Jessica about how you're using Air Manual and the focus like we're always and jessica's a great example of this always asking the questions of okay so what's the outcome like what's the result we're trying to get here what's the problem that we're trying to solve and i see it in jessica and i see it in in other team members too which is a great demonstration of this value is how frustrated they get when they feel a client is not making as much progress as they could like when like that's when i i both love it and like it affects me as well but like i love i love seeing those moments when they're like, ah, this is so frustrating that I've got this client to a point where they've got, maybe they've got, we've now got their processes documented for onboarding team members. And all they need to do, all they need to get do is get this like one HR administrator, or maybe it's this particular line manager who's in the really busy department that they're hiring into. They just need to get them using these checklists, using these onboarding processes, and instantly it will free up 30, 40 hours a week of their time but they say they're too busy to even make a 45 minute call with us. And it's like, you're too busy to have a 45 minute call with us where we'll be able to save you 40 hours per week. And it's already been documented and everything with the rest of your team. Your COO is like, yes, this is going to do it. And yet you're not able to do that. And although that's frustrating because we know that we can just deliver that. Like, I love the fact, I love seeing the team members thinking, okay, how do I get them over the line? How do I get them to this point of impact? Because the alternative is they might go, well, I've done everything I can. Like, I've done a good job. I've got it documented. I've, I've laid it out for them. You know, I can lead the horse to water. I can't make it drink. Therefore, that's on them. And one could look at that and say, well, that's, yeah, it's an appropriate viewpoint. But because we have this core value of like focus on impact, they're always about like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't, it actually doesn't matter. If we've got everything documented, if it doesn't get implemented, it doesn't get used, it's all for nothing. And so as a result, they keep going and they work out ways and they'll raise it to the business leader and say, hey, this is your situation right now. This is how I think it needs to be addressed. And I absolutely love that. And I love that you've seen that firsthand as well, like working with Jessica, right? And, you know, I'm sure Jessica was able to demonstrate that in in the interview process with Air Manual and getting the job. And so it's really important that you put your core values out there because you talk about, well, gosh, how am I not going to get candidates or not enough candidates if I'm taking them through this gauntlet? Well, actually, when you start to include things like core value and your core values in your job posting, the three to five key responsibilities with success metrics, that actually attracts 
higher quality candidates that attracts people who are like, oh my gosh, this job is for me. This is the type of organization I want to work for. And it repels to a certain degree, the one, two or three star candidates. Cause you know, most businesses out there on their job postings, they're pretty bad when they're pretty generic and, yeah. and all of them sound the same. So if you can stand out in your job posting with, with some detail and sharing some authenticity about your company and about your expectations and share with that. We also recommend having a dedicated recruitment website where you can tell a little bit more of the story, share what a day in the life is of that role and such. You actually end up att attracting more. And so then it just really doesn't become a problem when it, because right now you're not attracting what you need to attract. So you're afraid like, well, if I'm not attracting what I need to attract, no, you have to tweak it a little bit and attract the right kind of people. Love that. Love that. And yeah, hundred percent agree on the, your ability as a business to attract great candidates and large numbers of them largely comes down to your ability to communicate in a way that stands out. It's, I often say recruitment is like marketing. It's like you need to be able to stand out and you need to be able to put the right messaging that's the right fit for the right audience and show up in the right place. And I think, as you say, the alignment of core values is the perfect way for a business to do that. Like the number of times I've spoken to other business leaders who have had failed hires, problems, etc. And one of the biggest lessons they take away, and it's almost painful to hear it so often, is, ah, yes, I should really be hiring for values rather than skills. Like I can train skills, I can train knowledge. It's the values that you can't. And if they, if they haven't got a focus on impact, if they, one of our core values is attention to detail, if they're just not that detail orientated, they tend not to be a very good fit in our organization. And we can't, it's not really possible to train that in if they don't value attention to detail, like you can teach them techniques. And that's testing. They don't, they don't that's, that's, so. that's, a, that's objective testing on attention to detail. I mean, everyone will say they have attention to detail, but show me. So yeah, uh, yeah that's great to, to have that. testing around that and, skill. And in terms of like deal flow, like getting those number of candidates, we talk there about how do you do that? How do you show up and get those? Typically, and I appreciate it varies depending on roles, but like typically how many people are we talking about trying to get in the start of that gauntlet to get down to hiring someone? Because for a lot of businesses I know, they're doing far too few, right? They're literally getting three CVs, inviting two for interview and hiring the one that showed yeah, up. Like, that's not acceptable. They're, yeah, <laughs> so they're, what should they be doing settling. instead? So, so, you know, what's interesting is people are putting too much, is people are putting too much in the United States or people are putting too much reliance on Indeed, which is the most popular online job board here. You have to cast as wide of a net as possible. You can't just go fishing in one pond in like the largest job board in your market. You need to cast a wide net. You need to just attract as many candidates as possible from as many different sources as possible. We, and, and success leaves clues too. So I was talking to someone, a member in our program, and we were talking about some of the great hires she made since she's overhauled her hiring. And, and one of the individuals came from a particular online bookkeeping company. And, and this person, her frustration was that she was only limited to spend 20 minutes with clients. Right. And sometimes 20 minutes wasn't enough to solve the problem. And she wanted to really had a passion for wanting to help clients, but just felt like I can't do it sometimes in 20 minutes. Like, and 
And so I'm just like, well, that job title is pretty specific. You probably could find people with that same job title at that company and find other people just like her who want something where they can spend a little bit more time, be more consultative, this, that, the other. And best part is there whizzes on the software that you also use. And it was just like, oh my gosh. So you really kind of want to like peel back the layers. Who are your best people? Where did they come from? Where can you find more people like that? You still do the job boards and that will probably be your largest source of applicants, but it won't be your highest return on hires, if that makes sense. So typically other sources become more fruitful in terms of a higher source. Yeah. And for context, then when we're talking about that volume, are we talking tens, hundreds, thousands of candidates top of funnel? Okay. So, so it really depends on the role. It's in, it's been become a little bit more competitive. So when we would hire for a claims examiner, an entry-level position, a recent college graduate with a math or actuarial science degree for one of our businesses, we would average about 75 to just shy of a hundred candidates per round. And things have changed in terms of like job boards. And when you post on a job board, not everyone is seeing it. You're getting a different experience and a different view because they're using the algorithms and things like you you experience when you go on Facebook, you don't see everything that is in your, you know, that you, that you follow on Facebook. So, so, so now we're seeing about half that number. We're seeing about 35 to about 50 candidates for a role. But when we're only needing to hire one, that's more than sufficient because if we have 35, we have five potential five-star employees. If one out of seven is a five-star candidate. But what we do in our process is we have a platform where we immediately upon application, we have some qualifying questions. So we're eliminating about 20% of candidates based off the qualifying questions. And then to be honest, we're eliminating all but about 20% of the total candidates with the assessment that we give out of the gate. And that assessment scores candidates against the benchmark for the role. So we have a benchmark for each role based off of our best employees that do that role. And so we score candidates against that benchmark for the role. And if they score 70% or higher, they move on to the screening interview. But again, of all the candidates, only 20% make it past that first assessment. So we're not wasting time. We're really efficient and we're not, we're not tempted. We're not tempted because I don't look at, if someone doesn't score 70%, I don't even look at their resume. I don't care. Like, Because I follow a process, I follow a system, and they have to score 70% or higher. Nice. Never be desperate. Never settle. Yeah, no, I love that. That's great advice. And as you say, like applying that gauntlet to uh, taking people through that process to make sure that you're getting the great talent and make sure that you're consistent with it as well. So that's amazing. I love that. We're going to run short on time, but I've got so many other questions that I I could ask. As a result, there's a couple of things I want to combine. One is quickly, like, the impact of this, when you've done this with clients, when you've got this point to this point where they've got an effective system process for hiring great talent, what's the impact on them in terms of the business, but also in terms of reducing stress? Like, how does it feel different in a business that's implemented this? Oh my gosh. Well, it, it kind of, it goes across the board, but I'll come back to the return on payroll. Mm, yeah. They're actually starting to be more profitable as a business because now everyone in the organization 
sort of is very clear on what their three to five key responsibilities are and they're getting measured on that success. And if they don't meet that success metric, they're gone because they're not having that impact mm -hmm. on the business. So number one, they're profitable. Number two is the owner is not having to work so much in the business because now they have people who have the aptitudes, the skills to do the job that could hopefully do it better than the owner. I mean, almost everything in our organization except strategic thinking and planning is done much better by by the team by the team i've done a lot of the roles in the 15 years we've had these businesses but i mean i could do it now but i wouldn't be as good as the people that are doing it to do it and so 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 up leveling that gets the owner more working on the business at a strategic level instead of working in the business and frees up time and then i just think also too the morale of the company so the firm that i was talking about that has reduce turnover to almost nothing is that every everyone's happier in the organization. No one's having to carry the weight because they're short staffed because yeah. there's turnover. Because when you have someone leave an organization, especially if you're having turnover, that means someone's like well, not giving notice. Like mm. they weren't a great employee. They didn't enjoy the job. So they weren't a valuable team member. They were collecting a paycheck. And so they're just going to walk. And so now you're putting more burden on your staff when you're short staffed. And so it just kind of elevates when everything is greased and rolling around, rolling nicely, everyone's happy. So, so employee morale goes up and just things work way better. Love that. Love that so much in terms of the impact. Yeah. It's that really strikes a chord for me because we can talk about the financial benefits of all these things and reducing failed hires, like reducing churn. So when you're instantly talking six figure, seven figure impact on a business when you're doing that, but then in terms of how it feels like wanting to actually come to work for the team and for you as the leader is properly life changing. So I absolutely love that. Um, Daniel, like people are going to be listening to this going, right, yeah, I love this. I want this in place. I want to learn more. What's the best way of people finding out more? And I also want to reference your collaboration with Mike Michalowicz on, on the book, All In, How to Get Your Employees to Act Like Owners. What's the best way of people learning more? And what are people to, should they expect from that collaboration and various opportunities to work with you? Yeah. And Mike? So the book comes out in December of 2023. So we're still a few months out from the book, but but we have some programming and resources available at theallincompany.com. So theallincompany.com. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll make sure that we include that in the show notes as well. I highly recommend people check those out. Well, Danielle, there's so many things that I could have also covered with you. Perhaps we'll have to do another interview at some point in the future. But for now, that's been incredible. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Alexis. Uh, absolute pleasure. And as regular listeners will know, I run a regular webinar on how to free up 15 hours per week and remove the constant stress of running a business and unlock growth. One of the things that we cover in there is actually, once you've sorted out the hiring, following the advice from this episode and working with Danielle, one of the things is you want to get people onboarded and up to speed really quickly. That's one of the things that we cover in that webinar. The feedback that we get from those sessions is really fantastic and people ultimately take away a fundamentally a better approach to delegating, onboarding, managing their team. So I highly recommend people check that out. You can find out more and register for the next one at airmanual.link forward slash webinar. And also finally, if you found today's episode useful, let us know, share it on social media, tag us in, let us know your favorite key takeaway and show some appreciation for Danielle. Whatever feels right, we'd hugely 
appreciate it. But otherwise, Danielle, thank you again for joining me. It's been fantastic having you on De-Stress Your Business. Everyone else, until next time, have fun.